You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to the show. I've got a great conversation for you today with Michael Zapersky of ConsultingSuccess.com. If you haven't heard of ConsultingSuccess.com, I don't know where you've been. It is one of the best resources online on marketing for consultants. In this interview, Michael and I get into his personal journey as a consultant, as well as how ConsultingSuccess.com came about. And then we talk about Michael's new book, which is called The Elite Consulting Mind, 16 Proven Mindsets to Attract More Clients, Increase Your Income, and Achieve Meaningful Success. Now, I gotta be honest, when I first heard about this book, I was a little bit skeptical. I mean, an entire book on mindset. I really thought Michael was reaching with this one but he was kind enough to send over an advanced copy so I could take a look. And I gotta say, the insights that Michael has managed to pack into this book are incredible. I mean, not only are the 16 mindsets really spot on, but the way Michael explains each of them using stories from his own experience and those of his clients makes it a really fantastic read. So go and grab a copy of this book right now. It's The Elite Consulting Mind by Michael Zapersky, and I'll drop links to the book in the show notes over at forecast.fm slash Zapersky. That's forecast.fm slash Z-I-P-U-R-S-K-Y. Enjoy. Michael, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Hey, listen, why don't you get us started by telling us the, uh, the, the backstory of how you got into consulting to begin with? Well, we'll have to go back many years here, uh, about 18, going on 19 years, uh, really out of, out of college and university uh, was when I launched first business with uh, my cousin and business partner, Sam. Uh, which at that time was a web development and design company. Uh, Sam's background was design. Uh, my background really was just around kind of business and ideas. I mean, at that point, I didn't have a real expertise, but we decided we wanted to start a, a business. We were entrepreneurial. We wanted to see what we could make happen. And so my role was really working with clients. Uh, and from there, you know, doing a lot of reading and kind of applying on the job. Uh, learned a lot from being in the trenches around strategy and marketing and communications. Um, that was the start. From from there, uh, we opened up another business, which was a design and branding consultancy. We worked with a lot of larger organizations. Uh, again, Sam's role there was uh, to to head the branding and design component, uh, and my focus was really around the marketing, the strategy for our clients. Uh, and so that took us to a place where I actually ended up going over to Japan, uh, opening up a branch office for our business there and gave us the opportunity to to work with several of the, the large Japanese uh, multinationals. So we're talking, you know, billion dollar organizations, some that you've heard of like Panasonic, others who probably most people haven't heard of, uh, though they're very large organizations um, that have offices throughout the world. And so we helped them uh, really with their English facing marketing uh, strategy, branding types of things. And that's really kind of where I got the start was over that period of, of a few different companies, uh, learning kind of on, on the job, if you will, working closely, making a lot of uh, mistakes and what I call learning experiences. And, and from there over the years, 
I mean, we can talk about if you're interested from the other consulting businesses that um, that I've started and grown from that point. But that's kind of how I really got the start. So I'd love to hear more about the consulting businesses that you've started over the years. And I'd like to see how that's also kind of shaped um, into what has now become ConsultingSuccess.com. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as I had the experience uh, of building several consulting businesses and, and learning, really like learning from uh, from being in the trenches, uh, decide to start writing articles and, and sharing those experiences with others. Uh, that's kind of how ConsultingSuccess.com got started. It was initially a different name, uh, but we later kind of purchased and set up ConsultingSuccess.com. But it was really from coming from a place of wanting to to share with others. Um, you know, as you build a business, as you work with with hundreds of clients, um, have a lot of successes and a lot of, you know, experiences that you otherwise would look back on and go like, wow, I wish I didn't do that. I just thought it would be a great uh, way to, to share and help. I've always enjoyed helping others, teaching, coaching, so forth. And so it was a pretty natural step to take to start uh, consultingsuccess.com. Uh, from that point, you know, we've grown it, written 900 plus articles on the site, lots of other kind of interviews, content, so on and so forth. Uh, but that's really where it came from, was just as a way to, to help others. Uh, and so Sam and I have worked together to to build that. Now it's you know morphed into uh, our main focus with ConsultingSuccess.com being, in addition to providing lots of free resources and content, it's the coaching program program that we run specifically for consultants, helping them you know with our marketing and their pricing and so forth. Yeah, and I mentioned you know before we started recording that I've I've been running boutique growth now for a few years and. ConsultingSuccess.com, which I think at the time was Consulting Buzz, uh, was really one of the few <laughs> kind of uh, shining lights out there that I would look up to from a consulting marketing perspective. You know, there was a lot of people that were doing things the very kind of old-fashioned way. And, you know, you were prolific with the blog and with the writing, and then you started doing video, and you really did kind of pave the way, I think, for a lot of people. You, you, uh, you, you know, you you practice what you preach, which is what I really appreciated about ConsultingSuccess.com. I think a lot of folks are probably familiar with what it looks like now and how it works and the coaching program. I'm curious to hear more about kind of what the early days of consulting success or consulting buzz looked like. What, what were you doing when you first started? Yeah, so consultingsuccess.com and when it first started, um, I mean, it, it was it was called, we call it business consulting buzz. We had a different domain name at that time. Um, so we learned, you know, some branding uh, shifts. But but really in the early stages, I might it was just content. Like it was it was articles, article after article after article. Um, we thought at one point about, well, should we turn this into a business? Because it started without really a clear picture of what the business would be. You know, I was at that time running uh, a different lead generation consultancy, working with a lot of professional service firms. Sam was working on another uh, advertising type of business at that time. So we were kind of doing different things. We decided to come back together and just work on this project. We didn't have a very clear model for what it would be initially. So it was really focused on content. And we thought, should we put ads on the site? What should we do to start maybe, you know, monetizing it? Uh, but we really wanted to keep it a clean experience. We didn't want it to be one of these sites. So this is going back now, probably nine years or so. There's a lot of people doing AdSense and you know, you'd go to a website, there'd be lots of content there, but it'd be filled with all these ads. And it just wasn't the kind of experience that, that we wanted to to put out there. So for us at the beginning, it was just, it was content. And we found over time other ways to actually turn it into a business uh, where we created courses and programs and, and things like that. But in the early days, like it was just really content. 
So you were effectively just kind of sharing some of the best practices and the things that you had learned by building your own consulting businesses on the site. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. It was, it was just, you know, here's, here's a story. Like, and I would share a story of how I had a meeting with someone and what I learned from that meeting, or I would talk about my approach to uh, consulting proposals, or I would talk about some, you know, lesson that I learned from making uh, a mistake and how I thought others could avoid it. Uh, or I would talk about some type of marketing uh, tactic or strategy that I found to be really helpful or an observation uh, about the, the marketplace and how that might impact others. Uh, that's really where all of this came from. Like before we had clarity around how can we really serve the market in a more uh, direct way in terms of our coaching program or our courses and other programs, uh, it just really started with an idea of let's put content out there and, and see what we kind of make of it as we move along. And, and how long were you writing and publishing content for on the site before you decided to build a, a program? So I think the first course that we had or that we launched, it was probably, I'd say, I mean, at least a year, maybe even maybe a year and a half, two years. I can't, I'd have to like go back and look. It's been, you know, we're talking nine years now, so I don't, I don't have that number off the top of my head, but it certainly wasn't right away. And the other thing is it, is it wasn't our number one focus initially, right? So we were, I was running a consulting business. Sam was doing his own thing. Uh, and so this was kind of a side project for us. But as we saw it pick up steam in terms of uh, comments and uh, subscribers and, you know, uh, all these kind of metrics that we were looking at in terms of traffic, we thought, well, let's, let's slowly invest more and more time into this. And it got to the point where it, it really was um, just becoming successful. Like we, we saw signs that things were really picking up. So we decided to invest more time and more resources into it. And, and what was your first offering? Was it a course or was it a coaching program? What was the first it thing was a, you sold? Yeah, it was a digital course uh, that people could, pretty much like a, an ebook or a set of ebooks that people could download. So they, they would purchase it, they would get access to it right away. Um, and that was, in essence, uh, taking you know, what we had on the blog as content, but at a much deeper level, right? So going, providing more details, more specific kind of recommendations so that people could launch their consulting business. Uh, successfully. And then we had a follow on kind of series of other products and courses around proposals and pricing, uh, management uh, of a consulting practice, things like that. Uh, and that was all before we actually launched our, our coaching program. And the coaching program came from a place of us looking at, okay, it's great that people are can, you know, purchasing. Um, that's nice at generating revenue and people were getting, you know, great testimonials and feedback from people. But we also recognize that in the marketplace, there's like I would say the majority of people out there, when they purchase a program or, or, or a book, they don't consume it, um, not even all. Oftentimes they don't consume much of it. And so we looked at it and said, well, how can we help people to get even more results? Like what, what do we need to, to do to make that happen, to serve at a higher level? And that's really kind of how the coaching program came into effect. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say a lot of people, they talk about education and courses and digital products as the holy grail, right? But you started with that and you had some success with it, obviously. But then you decided to add a coaching program, which is you know, not entirely passive. Um, and I had a hunch that it, no. was, you know, it was that transformation that, was, that, that you were hoping for in the clients, right? You wanted it to do something more to be able to, to give them that transformation. Exactly. I mean, it's not passive intentionally. Um, 
you know, we've, we've just consistently seen that we're able to provide the greatest level of results by working closely with a small group of, of clients, like at any one time. Uh, but I'll also say like, you know, to there, there is no one model. Like, you know, I put out a video a long time ago about this, how a lot of people in the marketplace will, will pitch, you know, their kind of their services or whatever it might be, or their product saying like, this is the best model for fill in the blank, whatever type of person or consultant or whatever, you know, might, might be. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe there's just one way to do, to do something for some people, a, you know, a strictly digital approach um, in terms of like their products and model. That's, that's what works for them. For others, it's going to be doing consulting for others. It'll be coaching for others. It'll be do done for you services. There's no right or wrong. It just depends which direction you want to go. But, uh, there's no shortage of, of information. I think right now, one of the biggest challenges that people have is that they're overwhelmed with information, but it's information is not what, what makes you successful these days. It's the application of the right information. Yeah, it's funny. I was on uh, Jake Jorgavan's podcast recently, Working Without Pants, and we were both kind of riffing on or complaining rather about, you know, all the consultants out there who are selling the, the you know, the silver bullet right? The, uh, the shiny object, mm-hmm. you know, X is the future. Everything else is dead. Right. And it's, it's just so much easier to sell that way, but it's really dangerous advice, right? Cause people then go into these, you know, they get really enamored by these new ideas. And I think they have to do some, you know, this particular business model or, or be on this particular platform to succeed. But uh, the reality is everyone's business is unique. Everyone's business is different. And, and what, what you need to do to succeed may be very different from me and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I want to now jump a little bit ahead, Michael, and talk about the book um, that at the time of this recording may be released. We'll drop a link to the show notes regardless uh, to the to the landing page. But tell me, first of all, why did you decide to write a book? So this uh, I mean, the book you're referring to is called The Elite Consulting Mind. Um, it'll be out in the next uh, couple of months here or so. Uh, it's, it's not the first book that we've written, but it's the first book, uh, that we are publishing, um, publicly. And what I mean by that is we've had, you know, I've written three, I'm just trying to think, yeah, three other books, but they've always been as, as part of, except for one, they've always been part of, uh, our internal courses. And so, uh, they, they look like books, they are books, but they're just not something that we put out there. They were something that would only be included when someone purchased one of our other courses, the elite consulting mind is is going to be put out as as a book through the the normal channels, um, and the whole idea behind it is you know as I've worked personally with hundreds of consultants through our coaching program um, and also as consulting clients, one of the biggest things like the biggest factors that I see that separates the most successful consultants from those that struggle is mindset, uh, and so in speaking with and working with a lot of consultants, I've been able to observe certain traits, certain kind of, you know, characteristics, certain ways of approaching decision-making and the thought process around all of those things that you encounter when you're building a business and marketing to clients uh, that can really make a difference. And so the elite consulting mind is like, you know, 16 proven mindsets to help people to attract more clients, uh, increase their income and really achieve uh, more meaningful success. That's kind of the, the, the byline or the, the subtitle of the book. Yeah, I love that because if you talk to anybody who's who's been a consultant for a, you know a, a decent amount of time, and you ask them questions about their thinking from the early days, 
about you know attracting clients, pricing, finding the right clients, the value in their work, their value proposition, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And then you ask them the way they think about those things now, after having all, had all these experiences, there's almost always a, a huge gap, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's really what it comes from, right? Is uh, And that's why I wanted to write this book specifically is because there's so many people out there. Like our, I'll give you an example. I'm at our, our clients that come to us, um, you know, reaching out for help. They're already experts, right? They're already good at what they do. Uh, we're, we're in, our role is not to try and help them. So if someone is, let's say, an accounting or healthcare cost ac- uh, accountant, um, you know, consultant, um, or yeah, healthcare cost accounting consultant, right? We're not going to teach them anything about healthcare uh, that they don't know. We're not going to teach them anything about accounting that they don't know. They're, they're already experts in that area. But our expertise is, is more about the, the marketing side, right? So what we've recognized is that people who are already really good at what, like, what they do, the, the expertise isn't the issue. The, the issue is not, are they good at what they do and can they help their clients get results? The challenge is everything else. It's right. It's how do they get in front of more ideal clients? How do they have that right conversation? How do they price their services effectively? How do they approach their proposals? How do they make some decisions around their positioning? Like there's all of these other factors that oftentimes uh, are, are the most challenging for, for consultants. It's not their expertise. It's everything else about building and running and scaling a business. And I would say that the biggest component of all of that that drives the level of success and the speed at which people see results uh, is their mindset. It's whether they're prepared to make some tough decisions, how quickly are they ready to move, or are they trying to to hold themselves back intentionally or unintentionally? Are they trying to perfect things? Are they finding reasons not to take action? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on for people, and most of it is not about ability. It's simply about what's going on in their mind. Yeah, no, I love that. Now, I want to jump into pricing in particular as a topic to discuss from a mindset perspective. But before sure. I do that, I'm actually a little bit curious. So you've got 16 mindsets that you talk about in the book. What's your favorite one? <laughs> um, I, you know, I haven't been asked that question, so I haven't really given much thought. I don't know if there is a favorite one. I think they're they're all quite powerful. I mean, you know, there's... Um, there's one idea that I, that I kind of talk about, which is all around uh, success and kind of how it's, how it's mirrored. Really what it means is the way that we, that we act ourselves uh, will influence the success and kind of how we interact with clients, right? So as an example, if you want clients who are very decisive, then you yourself need to be decisive uh, about making decisions. Um, you know, another one is, is really around facing the uncomfortable, right? We all face uncomfortable situations or where we know that we need to do certain things that, that we don't like to do, whether it's making a follow-up phone call or going to an event uh, or asking someone for a referral, whatever it might be, you know, different things make different people uncomfortable, but we're all faced with things that are uncomfortable. Each and every one of us, I think, encounters that regardless of what level of, of success or business that we're at. Um, and so it's kind of in that chapter, I talk a little bit more about how to deal with that, how to overcome that, that fear of the uncomfortable so that you can really start seeing more progress and, and feeling a lot more momentum in your business. Yeah, I mean, th- this idea of being decisive, I think, is really important. And, and it reminds me of something I struggled with, I think, in the early days is I would try to do, when I was an independent solo solo consultant, I'd try to do everything on my own, you know, like mm-hmm. everything, right? <laughs> and that's I guess that's kind of the, the default state when you start something from scratch. You try to do it all on your own. 
And then it dawned upon me that, hey, I'm, I'm trying to convince people to hire me, a professional, mm-hmm. because I'm good at what I do. I'm the expert. And yet I don't hire experts to help out with the other parts of my business that I don't know how to do very well. I think that's a great example. Yeah. So I wasn't, uh, wasn't drinking my own Kool-Aid, so to speak. Let, no, definitely not. Yeah. Let, so let's jump into, into pricing, Michael. When I was looking at uh, your landing page here, there was one line that jumped out at me, probably because I've been thinking about pricing a lot. But it says that one of the things you talk about in the book is simple shifts that you can make to increase your fees by 300% or more. Needless to say, that caught my attention. Walk us through some of the the mindset shifts required to help folks increase their fees and charge what they're really worth. Yeah, I mean, well, let's just start off, I guess, at the foundation of that. And, um, you know, if we break it down, I would say there's, there's three components to this. Uh, there's knowing what to do, right? So when we're talking about fees, there are specific approaches, principles, even tactics um, that you can and I would suggest should use if you want to be able to increase your fees. So that's really important, right? Actually knowing what to do and, and how to approach it. That, that can be from your actual fee structures to how you communicate the, the value behind your fees to buyers um, and also how you then communicate or present that as part of your proposals. That's the first part. But that alone, that's you know, what you call knowing or, right, or knowledge or information, that alone will not get you the result. So the second part is then the doing of it, the actual action taking. And that's where the mindset component comes in, right? So a lot of people, they might know, they can read a book or they can take a course or they can hear from someone, well, here's what you need to do, but they don't do it. Well, why don't they do it? Because there's some fear going on. There's some hesitation. There's concern like, well, okay, I know that I need to increase my fees. I need to charge this instead of that. But what if the buyer says no? Or what if they say I'm too expensive? Or, right? So they start working through in their mind all these potential objections that they might face. Now, how do you deal with those objections? Well, you prepare for them, right? You know how to overcome them. So that comes back to the knowing part. But the actual doing part is critical because if you don't do, you have no opportunity to learn from that experience. And now what really creates uh, you know, and takes people to that next level of success in their business and also in terms of their fees where they can consistently charge higher and higher fees is that when they have the knowing, right, the right information, and then they do, they put things into action, and that experience creates confidence for them. Because if they've done the right thing and they've gotten a positive result, they've now learned from it and now they feel confident about it. Now they can go do it and do it again. And so that's where you see someone says, oh yeah, you know, I used to charge, let's just say $1,000 for this and now I'm charging $10,000 for this. And I just wish that I would have done it earlier. They've got a positive result. That gives them confidence and they're now able to go off and do that again or even charge higher fees. But the same thing, you know, even if someone gets a negative result, so they they try and win a proposal and it doesn't work out for them. They don't win that, that project. But now they've, they've learned something, right? So now they can figure out what, where did I go wrong? What adjustment can I make? Uh, and then go right back out there and try it again. And they will then be successful if they keep working through that process. But the, the biggest challenge that people have that I would say around fees, uh, you know, beyond the information, we can talk more specifically if you're wondering about, you know, tactics, uh, but it's really about the doing. It's, they know deep down inside, they know that they deserve to earn more. And so once they've learned, whether it's from a book or a course or a coach or whatever, how to actually do it, it's the fear of what will happen if I do it and I don't get the response that I want. That's what holds most people back. Most people who 
uh, you know, who are earning lower fees than they should be. They already know that they're earning lower fees. Deep down inside, they recognize that they're all the time they put in in university, in the corporate world, or whatever it is that got them to where they are today, should allow them. Uh, you know, they deserve to earn more than they currently are, but they're not getting it because they're not willing to apply, even if they have the knowledge. And so those two things, right, the, new, the knowing and then the doing is what creates the confidence. And then from that, it builds upon itself. And then you're able to keep going through that process. Uh, so as you're then providing greater and greater results for your clients, as you're working with more clients, right, at those level of increasing fees, you can keep repeating and keeping, you know, continue increasing your fees um, as long as the value is there. So, so let's say uh, I'm a consultant and and I charge, you know, let's say $10,000 per engagement. And yeah, deep down, I know I'm providing $20,000 worth of value to my clients. I know it, right? And I have mm-hmm. rave reviews and I've got the, the reputation to back that up. But the thought of charging $20,000 and putting that number into a proposal makes me sick to my stomach, right? Sure. And, and like you said, I, I know how to do it. I know how to justify that price, but it just makes me sick to my stomach. What are some practical steps that you recommend I take to be able to, you know, get over that fear and build that confidence? Sure. Well, I, mean, I can start off and just tell you that, you know, for some people, they might look at those numbers and go, well, okay, that's a lot of money. But and we have clients who have landed $300,000 projects, $450,000 projects. You know, we have many clients that consistently land six-figure projects. When they first started, those numbers may have kind of scared them a little bit. They may have thought, well, how could I, you know, how can I possibly get there? Um, but it's about working through a process to, to make that happen. You know, the, the first thing that I would say, like with, you know, in answering your question is just do it. Like just, if you know the value is there, then ask for $20,000. If that's the example that we're using or a hundred thousand or whatever it might be, just do it. Right. If you know the value is there, then just do it. Now, how do you actually make that happen? Right. There's, there's other considerations. And so some of those other considerations are, you know, that the value is there, but does the buyer know that that value is there? And so if the buyer doesn't know that the value there is there, then other work needs to happen. That other work is making sure that you have a very, what I call a meaningful consulting sales conversation with a buyer, where you know the right questions to ask so you can identify the value they really care about uh, and then be able to communicate that value back to them so that they're really clear on the value. And so if let's just say if it's $20,000 investment that they're going to make and you're going to be able to provide them with whatever X and Y result and outcome and that they're, you know, they're excited about that. If they see the value, then they're going to be willing to invest that. Now there's other things that we would also look at, which is how are you actually packaging and positioning that offer, right? How are you going to present it to the buyer in a way that aligns with what they want? And that then again, kind of comes back to what is the ROI for them and what is the value and do they really see it? But once all of those things are in place, like once you know that you've had a really good conversation with a buyer, and they see the value, you've communicated the value properly. Like once all that's in place, Ahmed, it really just comes down to asking for it. Like just saying, this is, you know, this is the fee. Um, and if everything else is done properly, then what you'll find is that buyers will say yes. And I would, you know, say my, from my observation is that in the majority of cases, and at least what, what we hear from clients is that once they know what to do, like they know how to communicate the value, they know the right questions to ask, they know how to package and position, you know, price it, present it properly to their ideal clients, then it's just a matter of them asking for it, you know, like position, kind of presenting that, that whole package to a client that, in a way that aligns with them and buyers say yes to it. And then what they say is, well, I just wish I would have done that sooner. 
Yeah, no, I think this idea of communicating value and having a meaningful consulting conversation is, is critical because consultants, you know, uh, we know we know ourselves, right? We fall in love with what we do. And as soon as we, you know, we see a client who clearly has a need that we can solve, we get very excited about our solution. And mm-hmm. and then we we kind of, we fall deaf to what they're saying to us and we fail to ask the right questions to really understand why this is important to the buyer because their reasons may be, may be different from what you'd assume. Yeah, the biggest mistake that I would that I would say you know that I see consistently uh, with consultants around you know the issue of pricing in regards to what we're talking about right now is that most consultants will go in and talk about what they see for the buyer, where they see the opportunity, what they think is going to be good for them. Um, you know, they'll talk about what they can do, but what they they forget is that it's not about them; it's about the buyer, it's about their situation, and so that's why it's so critical that you really do a very good job of identifying, right? Discovering what the buyer cares most about so that you can then have that really meaningful conversation and explore with the buyer, not only what they stand to gain from taking action, but also what they stand to lose by staying where they are, right? So there's a lot of different um, kind of elements that you want to explore. And I often kind of talk about like, you know, you want to peel the layers of the onion in a conversation where you keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. Now, all of this is really important, right? And, and I mean, if we had more time, on right, we could talk a lot more about actually how to go about making that happen. But at the end of the day, it's not just the information of knowing what to do. It also comes down to actually applying it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I like to do is I like to talk to salespeople as much as possible, right? Because it's it's a useful exercise in kind of decoding what works and what doesn't. And and if you think of you know as a listener, if you think about the sales conversations that you've had, the better ones, uh, when you know you either came close to buying or you bought, chances are the the seller asked a ton of questions, asked smart questions, got you thinking about your real motivations and your real desires and goals and aspirations, and then repeated that back to you and asked you if you wanted to buy. Yeah, the, you know, the best sales or most effective, quote unquote, sales conversations aren't about sales, right? Most professional uh, service providers, most consultants out there that have a real kind of mental block around sales, it comes from a place of where they see sales as like a used car salesperson. They, they see it to be all about pressure and manipulation and persuasion. Um, that shouldn't be happening, right? An effective consulting sales conversation is all about building rapport and uh, establishing a real strong relationship and asking really deep, meaningful questions. It's really a conversation with a prospective buyer more than it has anything to do with sales. When you're when you're doing your job, the you know correctly, when you're effective in uh, in the conversation, you don't need to persuade. You don't need to twist arms. It should be apparent. Uh, and even the buyer should be excited and wanting to move forward to work with you. Absolutely. Listen, let me ask you one more question before we wrap up here, Michael. When it comes to pricing, let's let's say I, I take your advice and and I'm I'm raising my prices, you know, bit by bit, and I work up the confidence to do that. How do you know when you've kind of hit a ceiling on your pricing? Yeah, great question. I mean, the first thing I would just say to that is that you don't necessarily need to raise your prices bit by bit, and we've had some clients who have increase their fees, you know, 700%, right? So seven times um, by, by looking, you know, kind of comparing like, so if you're, especially for people that are going from, let's say an hourly rate or a daily rate, there's often huge opportunity for them to make a lot more money by learning how to position their fees um, and connect them to ROI and to value. 
um, and to package them, kind of price them the, the right way. But in terms of when to know when you've hit a ceiling, I mean, if you're consistently going out there and you're offering, um, you know, a, a package to someone, right, and you're getting a lot of people just not seeing the value there, it either means that the value isn't there or that you're not doing good, a very good job communicating it. So, you know, I typically suggest that people look at, they should kind of think about their fees uh, roughly at about a five to seven times return on investment for the buyer, right? So if you have that in mind, it can be a little bit more, it can be a little bit less, but somewhere that if you always kind of keep that in mind, then you'll ensure that the value is there both for the buyer and giving you the right compensation as, as the consultant. But so if, if that's, if your fees are in line with that kind of metric, uh, and you're still getting a lot of no's, right? You're, you're a lot of losses to your proposals, then you should spend some time really looking at what kind of conversations are you having with the buyer? Are you spending enough time going deep in those conversations to identify value and to be able to communicate the value to the buyer? Um, are you, you know, or are you just kind of glossing over that and rushing to a proposal? Because if you are, or if you're rushing too much to a proposal, uh, it's most likely, right, the result will be not very positive. Whereas instead, if you spend more time digging in to a meaningful conversation and your fees are aligned with real value and real ROI and the buyer actually sees that value and sees that outcome and they're excited about the results you can help them to achieve and they understand the cost of staying where they are, uh, then they're much more likely to, to say yes and to want to move forward quickly. Excellent advice as always. Listen, Michael, this has been a real pleasure. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show and I want to ask you, where can people look you up and check out that new book of yours? Yeah, definitely. People can go to, I mean, consultingsuccess.com has, has all the resources, a lot of, uh, you know, free materials there for people. Uh, and if they want more information about the book specifically, they can go to consultingsuccess.com forward slash mindset book. So mindset book, uh, where they can get, uh, if the book hasn't launched by the time this goes live, uh, well, you'll have information on, on where to, where you can purchase it. Uh, but if you get this before the book is launched, then you'll be able to sign up for a little uh, early bird special in terms of notification, a bit of a savings when, uh, when the book does go live. Excellent. Michael, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you so much. Hey, it's Ahmed here again. Before I let you go, there are two things I want you to do. The first is, if you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play by visiting forecast.fm and clicking on the relevant link. While you're at it, please do leave us a rating or a review because it helps more people discover the show. The second thing is I want you to grab my free course, on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms. Inside the course, you will get a step-by-step framework to help you generate a flood of new business for your firm. The course is 100% free of charge and you can get immediate access at 5leadgen.com and you can spell out five or use the number, either one works. That's 5leadgen.com. Thanks for listening.